Welcome to the McCovey Croncast. I'm Brian Murphy. I'm Doug Brizzoni. Uh, and it is uh, the end of the GM meetings. It is December 11th, 2015. We are one week out from the return of Star Wars to our lives, although it didn't really leave us. Just like baseball hasn't really left us. Uh, we're in the off season, but it's still here with us. Of course, the big news... Well, Doug, the big news is that thing we feared, the thing we feared the most, it actually happened. The Giants signed Jeff Samarja to a to a to a deal of any length of and money. They gave him a deal of years and money. <laughs> yeah, deals and money is a lot more than I wanted them to give up for Samarja. I was hoping he would come a lot more cheaply than any money for any length of time. And if not, I was going to be prepared to just let him go to his next team and not even necessarily wish him good luck. Just say, okay, he's a person, but he's here now. Yes. So, so. and I, for one, welcome our new uh, albatross of a contract. I'm kidding. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I mean, five years and $90 million. And that's right around what, was expected given how nuts it's not nuts just how free agency now is um and i the giants are confident that the lack of mileage on his arm and whatever they've seen mechanically they feel like they can tweak it and get good performance out of him and i believe i've seen andrew baggerly maybe even alex pavlovic drop a jason schmidt reference in there um and man That'd be great, but that seems like... Remember our greatest pitcher until we had great pitchers? Yeah, he's going to be that. Now that we're back to not having good pitchers, he's going to be our greatest pitcher again. <laughs> well, I don't know why you're being so negative. I think it would be great if he was Jason Schmidt, <laughs> unlike you. So, Which, and you know, starting number 29, <laughs> I mean, he, he's basically halfway there. <laughs> My my whole thought on the whole Jason Schmidt comparisons are like, yes, we always hope that the pitcher we signed to be good is as good as any pitcher we've ever signed. And so to me, it just seems like, yes, we know he's not going to be the next Madison Bumgarner or Tim Lincecum, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be decent. I mean, there's a lot to like about him. I'm sounding so negative just because, well, I mean, we'll get to this in a second, but, you know, who who most of us would have rather the Giants been able to get uh, that just didn't break their way. Uh, so I'll credit that the Giants moved quickly after they lost out on who was clearly their first choice. And I don't think that their reasoning for wanting him is terrible. I, I think the lack of mileage, he's only been a starter since 2012. And yeah. And, and I think the, you know, fewer pitches. Sure. It all, it all makes sense. Pitchers can go at any time, so anytime they've actually thrown fewer pitches, that's good, I feel like. And he's a strikeout pitcher, which I really think the Giants need to keep that they need to keep that in mind. Uh well, he wasn't so much a strikeout pitcher last hard. year. So Yeah. Um, but he throws hard, which is a good thing to have. The Giants don't really have any flamethrowers in their rotation. Yeah. Or or for that matter, a lot in their bullpen. They have Strickland in the bullpen, but and that's Oak, about it. And possibly Okert. Right. Uh, uh, he can. Dial yeah. Ogert's velocity is OK. I mean, Mike Broadway has good velocity if he's around, which is uh, if he <laughs> will say that is not a ticket I would like to buy <laughs> uh, an Osage for a lefty. I mean, he's not 
Geraldus Chapman, obviously, but he's got good velocity. But you're right. That is a point overall, especially in the rotation. It's kind of it's slim pickings um, in that regard. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot to like. And, and as we talked about last week and as is readily apparent in, in all the statistical breakdowns, the, the White Sox defense was atrocious. I mean, that was essentially you and I playing defense. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And most of the McCovey Chronicle commenters uh, just playing defense. Um, that's basically what it would be like. Um, right. Just standing there, like talking about tacos, right. not bothering paying attention. And all the defensive shifts would be wrong because what they would actually be is all those those threads that would just shift, shift, shift over as people keep talking about their sandwiches or, uh, right. or, or why one particular TV show that some people like is actually the greatest TV show ever, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so today they're, today they're going to have the uh, press conference uh, and, and they've already got the whole shark thing going on. And I'm sure they're going to have hats with the shark hair, the mullets sticking out of it. And uh, it's kind of sting for Gregor Blanco. I mean, Gregor Blanco's yeah. hung around long enough to get his own uh, hat. <laughs> I I kind of feel bad for him. He's kind of looking at that and saying, "Man, do they? Does this organization really think so little of me that they can't merchandise my likeness in some sort of animal form and then sell it for a bunch of money that they then use?" to build a development and not do baseball because they don't care about baseball because I read that on the internet. (laughs) It's the highest compliment the Giants can pay any player is to turn him into an animal and then market that animal. uh, And I would say one other thing about Samarja, you know, Brian Sabian is not just uh, upstairs kicking back and sipping on you know, sipping on booze and, and hanging out all day. He's taking active role in scouting players. You have to believe if the Giants are committing this much money that he's on board and and uh, and their baseball brain, tr- Dick Tidrow's on board and obviously Rigetti. And I, I feel like Bruce Bochy's on board, but only because it's pretty clear Bruce Bochy, as soon as the season ended, he they were like, all right, Boch, what do we need next year? He's like, for the love of God, just give us some <laughs> damn pitching. Just pitching. Anyone who can go six or, you know what, seven innings. Anyone who can throw seven innings. <laughs> please. Anyone who's ever heard of the yes. seventh inning. Yes, that's right. Uh, I would. That's all I really care about. And they're like, all right. And they really did get someone who could, I could see Jeff Samarja going into the seventh inning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you should OPV on us. Right, right. Um, okay, so welcome Jeff Samarja. Uh, I believe we are all tepidly, uh, <laughs> embrace, you know, it's a tepid response and, uh, and prove it to prove it. He's got to prove it a little bit, but certainly I would say I'm being down, but as is my way, there's a lot to be excited about. The giants taking a big step is great. And they had to take that step because they lost out on Zach Greinke and my God, that is, they lost out to him because the Arizona diamondbacks signed a billion dollar TV contract and they also are taking a lot of revenue-sharing dollars uh, because they're in a lower revenue um, media market. And so they they were like, all right, we'll splurge on someone who could probably be the next Greg Maddox. <laughs> Which, when you look at the year that Zach Greinke had, 
you know, you can certainly wish cast that. You can certainly see that possibly happening or hoping it does. As it stands, Zach Greinke is what one of the t- he's easily one of the ten best pitchers in baseball right now. Um, oh, yeah, of course. And I mean, he, now he's on the Diamondbacks. <laughs> yeah, he's probably top five. Like it, it's hard to to come up with a top five that doesn't have him and Kershaw and Arietta and I don't know Price and one other guy, yeah. Chris Sale maybe. Yeah. So I mean, he's def- that's the company he's in. If you're gonna give a massive deal to someone, he's as good as anyone. Um, which sounds like tepid praise, but it's <laughs> it's not. He's you know he deserves that. Well, maybe he. You don't know that he's gonna deserve the contract as far as taking a risk on someone. For that contract, he's the guy you want to get. Um, that said, I don't necessarily want the Giants to give up that to, to give someone that contract. That was a lot of money. That's like a lot of money. It's, I, at some I, point, I they're going to pay someone other, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they you know, and that's not really their way. You know, they are more in in the habit of handing out medium contracts to several guys. Which you know, hopefully they're going to do to more than just just Jeff Samarja. Hopefully they'll get in on Wei Yin Chen or Alex Gordon, uh, not Ian Kennedy. But that giving all that money to Granky would have prevented them from doing that, and that's probably why they, for a long time too. Which is probably why they didn't want to go for those six years like Arizona did. Yeah, if they had signed Granky, then they wouldn't have been able to sign. Um... <laughs> Michael Tucker and <laughs> JC Snow. JC Snow. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I, I feel like there's also, there's just players where you feel you can do that. I think from the Dodgers perspective, I kind of buy the idea of, well, we don't want to sign a guy who's going to make more per year than Clayton Kershaw. I mean, that seems less than like the sixth year. I, you know, what, let me just start over. I don't feel like the sixth year is actually that big of a deal in this particular case, but maybe I'm a complete nutcase here, but you're right. $34.5 million uh, AAV is that's it's unprecedented, which was the entire point of that contract. Uh, that was what Granky's deal was. So, I mean, that's what he wanted. Um, I, I don't know. I just would have loved to have seen Zach Granky on the, on the giants, like r- really badly. <laughs> yeah, no, that would have been incredible. Uh, and I feel like he would have fit in great. I feel like he would have been uh, a good match for the whole team. Uh, John Shea wrote about uh, wrote it the other day. Uh, I might have that wrong. Um, maybe it was Pavlovic wrote about how when the Giants met with him, the Giants were blown away by him. <laughs> the Giants brain trust. You're talking about again. It was Pavlovic. You're talking about. You're talking about Brian Sabian and Bobby Evans and Dick Tidrow and Dave Rigetti and Bruce Bochy, whoever it was. You know, they, these are grizzled guys who are not easily impressed by, you know, Brian Sabian more likely calls players the player than he does by their name. You know, that kind of thing. And the fact that they are just impressed by any one free agent, especially a Dodger, or especially just, you know, a guy who's going to want a lot of money, uh, it just strikes me as... He, he was definitely the genuine article in, in every sense. And so in that sense, I'm like, if the Giants decide him for that deal, yeah, it's very uncomfortable to think about. But I don't feel like it's – this isn't Barry Zito, you know? Right. No. I mean, Zach Ranke is definitely a, a top-tier baseball player, which Barry Zito hadn't been for a few years when they signed him. Yeah. It's not that. Um, 
but it is a lot of risk yeah. and putting that on one player is something that the, you know, the giants have been reluctant to do over the last always. <laughs> and, uh, the fact they had to do it for more years than they wanted to is really what sank their chances of getting him. Cause if they'd offered him the diamondbacks deal, you know, two days before the diamondbacks, they probably get him. Oh, sure. And I think the state tax, the, I mean, if, for those of you who didn't already know this, this, the top bracket for Arizona state taxes that Branky or Cranky's going to have to pay is four and a half percent. And it's 13 percent uh, in yeah. in California. So he's, you know, saving that much in taxes on top of the deal. So it, this is a fantastic one for him. And you know, maybe he walks away from baseball after that, or maybe he has two good years left and he can get a Tim Hudson type deal, whatever the market rate for, you know, whatever that equivalent deal would be six years from now. Uh, so, you know, he's set up very nicely. Um, so then this is my question now. He turned down the Giants, which I'm sure the Giants, you know, the Giants sounded like, for, for all reports, they made a very competitive offer. Um, they wanted him badly. This is a, the second consecutive year, the top pitcher on the market, or let's, I'm calling Granky the top pitcher. You can debate between he and Price, um, you know, turn, turn down again. When the Giants brought the full court press, Buster Posey was even at this meeting uh, with, with Zach Granky, just like they did with John Lester. Uh, last year, John Lester was turned off by that, like the Giants were trying too hard, which is a really strange thing to say uh maybe not like john lester but because (laughs) or maybe just because it goes against the narrative i have in my head about the giants and trying and like wooing people doesn't seem like their way um but why don't people want the giants money why don't free agents want the giants money i mean that's that's the big question right um i mean some of that is a little bit of fan entitlement that we think that just because the giants are willing to match other offers that every player should come here I mean, players want other things. Ben Zobris wanted to be near Nashville. Uh, John Lester wanted to hang out with Theo Epstein some more so their man crush could blossom. Zach Granke wanted more money. (laughs) And that's it. Just more money. You know, in every one of these cases, there are individual reasons why the player didn't want to come here. Um, And it doesn't necessarily have to be a San Francisco thing or a Giants organization thing or an AT&T Park thing. That said, players might not want to play in AT&T Park. They might say, well, that'll be the difference between being known as a perennial all-star and a Hall of Famer, or that'll be the difference between getting a three-year contract and a five-year contract for my next one. Uh, um, pitchers might look at it and say, well, what am I going to do there that's, that's already so great? Everyone who leaves the Giants just retires. That'll be it. They, they suck the life out of me. Or- so it's... Yeah. Those are all, or, uh, you know, Tim Lincecum hates Buster Posey. Maybe pitchers hate Buster Posey. And when he goes to these meetings, he like starts making fart noises or, or he says something that's like, he stares into their soul and he reveals their deepest, darkest secrets that, that or their, their biggest wound that even they didn't realize. He just brings something out of them. I don't know. I'm it, just... it could just be that he's too handsome and it makes them insecure. <laughs> Buster Posey just shows up, he drops that smile on him, and they're like, you know what? Signing with the Giants would make me question too many things. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, that all makes sense. Uh, certainly. And Samarja said when he played for the A's, he liked the Bay Area, which, to be honest, you don't actually hear many Major League Baseball players say. So, I mean, that's been pretty consistent that you don't hear people gushing about the Bay Area. Usually baseball players are like, I'd like to build a cabin and shoot animals and, <laughs> and you know, drive my pickup truck. And I can't do any of those things in Marin or whatever it is. Um, you know, it's rare enough. That for players to say it, that I still remember Scott Rowland saying it when he was about to be a free agent. Yeah. I still remember, uh, oh, there was one recent, oh, Bryce Harper, who was, I think, in town in 2014 for the playoffs. He was talking about how great of a city San Francisco was to have an off day in. But, you know, you don't hear it a lot. So maybe they don't like the city. It's entirely possible. Yeah, I mean, I think that on top of the park is just sort of, and I think New York tends to get a pass because to me, you know, not like New York and San Francisco are exactly the same. It's like, but if you don't like San Francisco, why would you like New York? <laughs> and uh, and I think just you go with the history and all the other, whatever it is, you just go, if I can make it as a Yankee, make a name as a Yankee, then yeah, I'll take the whatever. Uh, then I'll just go with that. That'll be a quick path to legacy. Um, and maybe it's just, maybe that, Maybe the East Coast bias has gone away over the last 10 or 15 years, but maybe this is a generation that's really been affected by what was that did clearly exist. And that just players are not really familiar with the Giants or the West Coast or whatever, or all the very valid reasons that we've talked about, that you've just covered. In any case, yes, as an irrational fan, it makes me go, you know, it seems strange when the Giants give it their best and they get turned down. Uh, that it just feels like what is there seems like there's a missing ingredient when it's really just that life thing. There's shit out of your control. So, <laughs> uh, what? Oh, and one other thing, it usually works out when these guys don't sign with the Giants. The one that I always remember is Adam LaRoche, like being real, real jerky about turning down the Giants, and then they won the World Series in 2010. You know that led them to have to go get Aubrey Huff, and um, uh, when he turned them down. And could you imagine Adam LaRoche on, on the Giants? I can't can't even imagine that. Um, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to either. Uh, it would have caused such a strange ripple effect. And then, you know, so again, the Samarja thing, I think it works out. It's a great, I, I mean, they're very confident about that. Um, which leads to what the plan C is now. John, according to John Heyman, the Giants might be interested in weighing in Chen. Earlier in the week, we heard that the Giants were Chris Haft said the Giants are definitely out on Kenta Meta. And then you heard reports like the Giants might bid on Kenta Meta. So, so there, and then also Mike Leake wants a Samarja type deal, which I kind of feel like, well, I had a good laugh about that when I read it. <laughs> but um, there's a, those are three, That I mean, that's free agency run amok, right? Mike Leake saying like, I should get $90 million for five years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we are into sort of, the plan C's of the world. And that's just something the Giants have to deal with when you can't lock up Zach Granke. Um, Chen, I, I'd be happy to get way in Chen, mostly because I don't know a lot about him because I don't think I've ever watched him pitch. Therefore, he's exciting. Yeah. Uh, he, he's not some familiar quantity like Mike Leake is. <laughs> I would I would say that Kentameda. Uh, yeah, that's that's not happening because Haft said it wasn't happening, and like Pavs and Bags then both basically said, yeah, that's not happening. Uh, about the same time, so clearly there was some conference with Bobby Evans and the beat writers where they were like, no, no, 
no. And then everyone's like, well, let's be really diplomatic about it. <laughs> I think that, I mean, and that makes sense. I'm sure the, the Giants, I'm sure it's, to me, it seems like they don't tend to do the, the posting stuff because it just seems like that money, the bidding money would come out of money that they need to use for other stuff. And they're just not going to just throw $20 million away for the right to sign a guy to a five-year deal. Um, right. That seems like the most logical um, yeah. reason why. Yeah. I, I don't think it's any particular aversion to Japanese pitchers or, or anything like that. Um, I don't know. Also, no, I think it's just the way they budgeted. They need yeah. the money for current payroll. Yeah. And they, you know, if, uh, if Meta got $10 million in the first year or, or something, then they'd be basically giving 30, spending 30 million on him, which he's not that level of pitcher. Right. He, I mean, well, he might be, but Zach Greinke definitely is. And you don't, give that to someone when you don't know that much about how he's going to do. Right. It's essentially like a $20 million signing bonus for a player. So it's absurd. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Wei and Chen uh, project fan graphs projects him out uh, nicely. And uh, I, but I believe that's based on if he stays in Baltimore, um, uh, you know, he play, he throws innings. Giants need that a starter who can pitch a lot of innings. He's so he's got the dirt, the durability, uh, I would say it doesn't look like – I mean, he's kind of a higher ground ball pitcher. That's great. That also works for them. Um, uh, he, he would be great. And also strikeouts uh, also tends to be a little more strikeout prone. Well, 153 and 191, but he can strike some guys out. So that's all right. <laughs> uh, so uh, a lot of home runs, but, again, that would help out playing in the – at AT&T Park and also uh, the other NOS places – but who do you think out of the plan C's? Uh, well, first, let's highlight the fact that you wrote a great article about Ian Kennedy uh, today or the other day. And um, and God, both, wouldn't it suck if both of the pitchers, we were like, oh, the Giants, no way should you get Jeff Samarja or Ian Kennedy. Please don't get Ian Kennedy. And now it, that's a possibility. <laughs> the, the only bright side about that would be we're so wrong about everything that they would both immediately have great seasons and the Giants would win the World Series. Which is, to me, the thing that people never get about the stuff I say. I'm happy to be wrong because that usually <laughs> means the Giants are doing well. So, right. It's bad when I'm right about baseball, I feel. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Ian Kennedy is such a... It's such a... Basically, the Giants could have an offseason like this, and it would be so vanilla and boring that it would be disappointing, but it wouldn't be any different from what they normally do. It's just that we don't normally know. Maybe this is a philosophical change from Sabian to Evans. We don't normally know what the Giants' strategy is. So when they do something that's basically underwhelming— we're like, okay, well, they they're underwhelming. That's fine. I think it's the expectation game of like, we're we're gunning for this, and then they come up short. That that's where the disappointment comes in. Because really, would Jeff Smarja and Ian Kennedy be that di- and like Marlon Bird be different from what we would expect three years ago? Not really. We'd be a little disappointed, but not as much as like, oh, they were going after Granky. Oh, they were going after the top, and this is what we were settling for. Yeah, I I mean, some of that is definitely expectations that are getting played up in the media uh, more now than they have had been in the past. 
And some of it is just, we know too much. I mean, we're just, we, we start imagining all these things. There were never any, like Jason Hayward, who perhaps by the time this goes up will have signed, maybe not, but he's not going to sign with the Giants. There were never any real serious signs that the Giants were going to give him nine or 10 years. That would be very un-Giants. There were still a lot of Giants fans who talked themselves into it. That, oh man, if, if only we could get Hayward. And it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and so some of that is is on us for sort of losing ourselves in the fantasy world and then saying, man, why isn't real life like that? Why can't we have one of those Padres off seasons? <laughs> yeah. I, I th- so basically, we all need to turn down our expectations really for everything that goes with life too, folks. That's just, <laughs> that doesn't mean don't expect anything or things are going to go badly, but just be, be a little more realistic with things. Uh, maybe that's the key. One thing I don't appreciate about Ian Kennedy, or I certainly don't. And now once again, looking at his stats is this, he's got a lot of strikeouts. He strikes out some, he strikes out some hitters. And I guess I didn't, I guess I figured him yeah. as more of a, like a power sinker guy. And uh, and he had just as recently as 2014, 207 strikeouts in 201 innings. Last year, 174 and 168. Now he gave up 31 home runs, which hey, but uh, you know a three to one strikeout to walk ratio. That's great. I'll take that from a starter every time. Um, so that's a positive. This is me talking myself into <laughs> talking myself no, they, into being okay with Ian Kennedy, who might actually make sixteen million dollars a year, which is also crazy to think. That's that's almost as crazy as Mike Leake's desires, because I can at least look at the numbers and see, like, okay, you're paying for strikeouts. So, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, there are definitely things that Ian Kennedy does well, but he's never put it together consistently. He had a he had a few good years with Arizona and then he kind of fell off and then he's good and bad and good and bad. And he's sort of like a much less extreme version of Oliver Perez, the starter when you just had no idea what he was going to be next year. And eventually you just settled on, Oh, he's just going to be bad. Right. And then he came back 10 years later as a reliever. As a really good one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's actually Chen has, uh, he's, he's a bit better on the ground balls than Kennedy. So yeah, I like the I like the shininess of uh, Chen and the uh, and that, but you know, there's also Plan F. Don't forget about Plan F. What's Plan F? Well, Doug Fister, of course. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't count out that. Uh, so the Giants are doing fine. We're all overreacting and overreacting to the point that I'm just stupid. Well, I, as you all know, I am stupid. But also, what you what some of you may not actually know is that I am terrible at math. I am very bad at math. Uh, I've like memorized mem- uh, multiplication tables and can add and do that stuff. But just when it keeps keeping tabs of how Major League Baseball payrolls are calculated and taxed, I'd like to thank our own Ruben Polling for pointing out to me uh, that I was totally wrong about how much money the Giants had to spend this offseason. Because I thought that they signed Jeff Samarja, 18 million AAV plus, um, plus Brandon Crawford. They're basically done. They have like $6 million left. And they actually have like $20 million left uh, still after this signing. So uh, the Giants do have another room for a big ticket free agent or like what they're saying. Or they can spread the money around, which makes a lot of sense. So I'd like to 
thank Ruben for pointing that out and uh, and actually taking a load off my chest because I was really un, uh, not sure. Well, I was kind of panicking what the Giants were going to do. They still have to fill left field, so <laughs> which I do. I want it to be Justin Upton. That would be great. I mean, that's a guy who's he's he's under thirty, and you know he's so inconsistent in the sense that he seems like he's going to be a superstar, but then really he just kind kind of winds up being like a really good player. So, and and I would take that with a little bit of an overpay, kind of banking on he would kind of peak at some point during that contract and then really the numbers will make a lot of will make all the sense in the world but he hates AT&T Park so that's not <laughs> happening yeah he's he doesn't want to play in San Francisco like grant said in his article yesterday that well just throw a lot of money at him he'll be fine well a, a lot of teams are going to throw a lot of money at him i'm sure he would take somewhat less to not play at AT&T Park where he has multiple complaints about it. Sure. He, he doesn't like the batting eye. He doesn't like how light reflects off the bleachers. He doesn't like how the ball travels. It's just everything about hitting there he hates. So it is tough for me to see him agreeing to come to San Francisco. So in your mind, I mean, this is now like we, we, we blew that game about trying to figure out what the Giants should do this offseason. But in your mind left field and starting pitcher, right? I think that seems to be the consensus. Uh, how how are you? How do you feel, Doug, about any of these guys that are left? I, I'm not really, except for the top ones, I'm not really excited about anybody. I mean, there are guys I'd be happy to get. I'd be worried about the back half of a long contract, but for the short term, sure, I'd be thrilled to have uh, Alex Gordon, who, you know, someone on Reddit said sources are saying it's a done deal, so... Oh. I mean, that's that's good enough for me. That's the Internet's newspaper, Reddit. So that's exactly that's the one that knows. Her. Uh, I'm, I'm not I've and for me, I'm not even remotely for once. I'm in total lockstep with the Giants front office. Uh, Jason Hayward doesn't interest me at all. And, and it's strictly because I mean, it's for three reasons. Uh, he's going to get a superstar contract that the Giants really can't afford. And he's not a superstar. And he's a left-handed hitter, which they if they're going to spend that money, it shouldn't go to a left-handed hitter, probably, unless he's Barry Bonds or, uh, yeah, that's it. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, or Chris Davis, which doesn't make sense. So, so to me, it just when I look at those things, when I look at those things, I'm like, I like Jason Hayward. He's a great player. He, he's just not going to be worth. I, for example, if Jason Hayward wanted twenty six million dollars a year, which he doesn't, I'm sure he wants more than that. I'm way more comfortable paying that to Justin Upton for six years or, or even seven years uh, than I would be to, to that for Jason, all those other yeah. reasons or than Hayward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for one thing, Hayward's going to get more money. Well, he's going to get money for longer. He's looking for what? Nine years is the rumor. Well, sure. He's 26 years old. I, I, yeah. I, I don't blame him for that. That makes a lot of sense. No, I don't, I don't yeah. blame any player for getting paid as much as they can ever. Except for AJ Krasinski, who I just blame for everything on principle. I blame Ian Kennedy. I feel like he, that's ridiculous. Okay. He and Mike Lee. Come on, guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I blame Kennedy for not accepting the qualifying offer. Right. Lee didn't couldn't get it, so. That's exactly what I actually. That's exactly right. I was like, why? Why? Just take it. <laughs> <laughs> take it. I don't want to worry about you this year. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like with Hayward, it might. It that might be a deal where the later end of it. 
start you know it starts to make sense if he does turn into a 25 30 home run guy which i don't know that he would but he's 26 you can yeah. really dream on that you can really look at that and go like well i know what he is now which is great <laughs> if he keeps getting better just a little bit every year maybe by then the last three years of this deal look great not terrible <laughs> Uh, and how often do you get to say that with a long-term free agent contract? It's never. Um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing for me about Hayward. It's he is still more potential than, than great player to me, which I know he shouldn't be. I know he's defensively great enough that that makes up for his, his offensive game being fine. Mostly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's yeah, exactly right. It's fine. Yeah. Like he's, he's a good hitter, but he's not a great hitter, just pure hitter guy who you trust to get up there and whatever scouty thing completes that sentence. I don't know. <laughs> nice. That was a smooth, <laughs> smooth. It's like I was talking to a grizzled scout, uh, scout right there. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just never been that great of a hitter. Like last year he hit 293, 359, 439. Those numbers are good, but that's not even an 800 OPS in St. Louis, which is not San Francisco. It's, it's really tough for me to see, for me to see any hype about his current offensive game. So, and I don't want to give a nine-year contract to someone based on projection. Which is really what his reps are doing. And I mean, that makes sense because you're right. But then also why not, why not project? Because other pitchers, you know, you know, the pitchers are saying like, I'm this good now and I will keep being this good for the next six years. Uh, that's that to me is crazy, too, <laughs> So because they're pitchers. Yeah. But a hitter at 26, again, I mean, I feel like Hayward's age is such a big deal. But, yeah, I just I want no part of that for the Giants for all those reasons Too way too many variables in that regard. Um, with Granky, it's just like, will he keep? Will he be? Uh, will he get hurt? To me, that's right. oh, that's really the only risk with him. Like, will he get hurt? Um, so, I, I want to get into one other thing about the winter meetings and the off season, uh, just real quick, because I think it's something that gets glossed over. Or I'd really like to see a. It doesn't have to be a full on documentary, but some sort of featurette, maybe one day about the guys who go to uh, the winter meetings, the GM meetings to pitch themselves to get work for these teams. Have you ever, isn't that kind of weird? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a job fair, but not formally unless I'm missing something. And the teams do set up booths with like pamphlets and, uh, and information and, and buttons or whatever it is. Although I can't, I can't see a major league baseball team spending the money to give buttons of their team logo away for free. No major league team would do that. Um, no, I think I think people like just go sit in the bar, wait for an executive to get there, and then very loudly say, "Boy, I hate for my information about this new defensive efficiency system I've created to fall into the wrong hands," and just hope. So it sounds like Silicon Valley, where everyone's pitching their apps, <laughs> they're doing the yeah. same thing for the winter meetings. It just feels like a straight, and I'm sure that the way that's the way it's always been too. That they're, you know, for as long as they've had these winter meetings, there have been people doing that because it's the G. Hey, it's the GMs walking around in public. Also, baseball GMs are now stars in their own right, which is which is another. It's like what happened in TV, where showrunners are now these big stars. They're as noticeable, recognizable as the show or the actors in the show. 
I, yeah, it's that's why Billy Bean, celebrity now. That's why Billy Bean trades away all the, all of his players when they start to get too popular. He's he had a taste of that Moneyball movie. He's not letting it go. He's like, oh, you think you're going to mouth off to me? That's right. Brad Pitt that's, played me. That's right. <laughs> Uh, have you ever pitched yourself on spec, uh, for someone to I hire mean, not, you? Not really. Only in the sense that I've written cover letters for jobs, but I've never like walked up to someone and been like, hi, you should hire me because, um, mostly because I've never thought that I'm like, if I were to do that, I'd be like, man, I hope you don't know you shouldn't hire me. <laughs> or you're, you're a respectful person and you're like, I'm sure the last thing this important person or this manager wants is for people hounding them for work. Right. <laughs> There's like, that's why they install these formal processes in which to do that. So also you're less of a maverick if everyone is doing it. So right. <laughs> I'm sure that there's a novelty. There was a period where that was great. And now it's probably annoying. Um, after the ten, after like the third one, you're just like, okay, I'm bored now. Right. You're boring me. Right. And, and uh, uh, if you had gone there though, uh, let's say like uh, SB Nation set you up and they would fly out there and try to get hired on a team or just like go through the process. What would have been your sales pitch? You, let's say you're going up, you like, uh, well, you want to work for the best organization, obviously. So you go up to John Mosellock and you want to work <laughs> for the Cardinals. Uh, how do you, how do, how would you pitch yourself? Um, nervously. And then I would stutter <laughs> a lot. And then I'd probably go and have two drinks and then go home and pretend that he refused to talk to me. When in reality, he was very nice, but I was just so tongue tied that I didn't say anything. <laughs> Uh, all right. So you would, you, you would just, uh, your decision would be no decision. You're, you would choose not to choose essentially. Well, um, you have to understand when most people do that, it's a failure, but when I did that, it would be plan a. So really I'd be doing a good job. <laughs> so you would start at Doug Fister. You would, <laughs> I would start at Doug Fister and I would negotiate myself down to present day David Wells. <laughs> TBS pundit or talking head, David Wells. I would, I would you pitch yourself to John Mozeliak? I would pitch myself to John Mozeliak as I am the communicator who can thread the needle between all the different voices that my role would be. I'm giving you like a serious answer. I would be like, listen, I, I love the game of baseball, but I'm not going to sit here and say that I choose one side or the other. Simply to say that numbers people might communicate differently than your scouting people. And to in order to make the organization work well together and take some of the pressure off of people not understanding each other, because there's good ideas everywhere. How do we share them more effectively? I would say I'm the guy that you can bring in to sort of massage the message essentially internally so that everything gets conveyed uh, enough. And they'd be like, thank you. This is baseball, not a, not a fortune 500 organization. We don't need synergy. Get the, get the heck out of my face. And then I would join you at the bar. <laughs> so. yeah. And I'd be like, see, I plan to fail. And you'd see why my <laughs> yeah. strategy was so. And, and then I would be like, why did I try? I should have set my, <laughs> I should have set my sights lower from the very beginning. <laughs> Uh, all right. I, I just thought about that. I just think it's a it's an interesting part of the baseball culture that doesn't get a lot of doesn't get too much attention for very obvious reasons. But I also think that there are like geeks like us who are interested in the inner workings of front office or behind the scenes type stuff. Um, 
All right, let's move on to our Twitter questions. As always, you can add us on Twitter. We'll give it our handles at the end if you don't know them already. So this week we have only two questions, unless you have hidden some from me. There, uh, was, there was one more when you asked for one. Okay, what's, what's that question? Uh, it was, has Bobby Evans informed me? Either, it's from at Scout6, name is Procreator. Has yep. Bobby Evans informed either of you how much the Giants like you? Okay, so this question is in reference, obviously, to the line to the comment made that the Giants were, are not in on Jason Hayward, but they did touch base with his representation to let him know, hey, we think your guy's pretty cool. <laughs> He's a good <laughs> baseball player. Just let him know we thought that. Like, really, that was the gist of the comment that, that I got from it. They're like, yeah. we're not bidding on you, but we think you're swell. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want you to think we're disrespecting you. At the same time, go get a contract from someone else. Right. Uh, Bobby Evans has not checked in with me, and I know that because, and I know why. It's because he doesn't really care about me or think I'm much <laughs> of anything. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I talked to Bobby Evans once. Yeah. He was very nice. Yeah. He uh, has not informed me how much the Giants like me, yeah. which is pretty hurtful, but at the same time, I'll get over it. <laughs> well, he's got other things to attend to. You're, you're, you're like plan uh, G. So yeah. after Fister, he'll get to you. Uh, <laughs> so the other question, uh, or the other one of the other two was from at Mark Normandon, our own from SB Nation, or it's Normandon. I always thought it was Normandon. But uh, he asks, if the Giants don't win in an even year, will your entire worldview come crashing down around you? Um, absolutely not. Actually, when they've been winning in, in even years is when my worldview has come crashing down around me. <laughs> I'm, I'm much more used to them not winning. It'll be really that kind of comfort when it's back to what I know and they're a good team that's not actually going to win anything. It'll be back to really the way it feels like the world should be. I'm way more in this line. And actually my response to him, was, I'm in, so I'm with you, but I'm actually, uh, my response to him was on Twitter that uh, actually if the Giants lose the World Series, it will be like they never won one. So <laughs> I'd rather they didn't get there than lose the World Series is really my line. So line of And to that I say, of course, <laughs> Brian, you ignorant slut. <laughs> It's the it's the 49ers syndrome. I was totally fine with the 49ers not getting to the Super Bowl because I cannot I could not handle the idea that they would lose the Super Bowl. So when that happened, I could not handle it. And I don't want to be put in those situations. <laughs> the good news is the a team like the 49ers then made it very easy to really detach from them since that loss. Yeah, they really so, could not have done yeah, a better job. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like they're helping me out directly or people like me, of which there are a few. Anyway, <laughs> the last question from Twitter is from our own Nato. Uh, he asks, is a cha-cha bowl a sandwich? This is a great question because if you're on Twitter a lot, which I'm sorry. <laughs> second thing, though, is everything could potentially be a sandwich to people with these very uh, narrow views on how life should be. So the Twitter definition of a sandwich is anything surrounded by uh, a bread-like material is technically a sandwich. That's the Twitter definition, as I understand it. Is that incorrect? No, that's about right. So a hot dog is a sandwich. Is you've, I'm sure most of you have heard this debate, all five of you listening. Um, a hot dog is a hot, whatever. So is a cha-cha bowl a sandwich? Well, a cha-cha bowl 
there's a bunch of ingredients surrounded by something. If that was I would say a sourdough sourdough bread bowl is more of a sandwich because that's bread. I would say a cha-cha I mean, bowl is on the line. If you eat plastic, sure. <laughs> I, I would say that you have to eat it like a sandwich for it to be a sandwich. So I think that if you eat the cha-cha bowl, like if you fold it up and eat it, so you know, you're biting through two layers of plastic, then whatever stuff is in the middle, then it's a sandwich. But otherwise, no. Okay, you you could still eat a bread bowl like that, just so you know. <laughs> you, you could, but people don't, which is why it's not a sandwich. But if they did, it would be a sandwich. Uh, what's that? What's that condition that people have? Uh, oh, pica or pica? Oh, yeah. Right, so if pica. you if you have pica, and you could, in theory, a cha cha bowl, in theory, could be a sandwich. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so those are our Twitter questions. As you can see, that's the best part of the show. <laughs> uh, and so our last bit of business is our is our weekly game. Last week we played a game uh, called AAV. So just a quick update on that. I am I have a commanding. We did best of five, and the rule the game is who can come. Can we guess uh, who what the an, annual average value of a contract will be? And whoever gets the most correct out of five will have uh, will the opportunity to write a scathing post about the other person's worst baseball slash Giants takes. And, you know, of course, I have way more than you do. And yet I am <laughs> way out in front of you right now to nothing. How are you feeling yeah. right now? I'm, I'm not feeling good. That that Granky deal going up by uh, by eleven million dollars. Because remember, it was originally six years one ninety five, which I would have won it. Yep. Then it went up to six two oh six. So yep. you got it. Yep. That killed me. Yep. Uh, so Samarja with eighteen million AAV, which is exactly what I guessed, and Granky thirty four point five, which is about which is one point two million more than what I guessed, and uh, one million one and a half million more than you had guessed. So, uh, so yeah. So there we go, and I. I can't even remember who else we thought about. So, <laughs> so that's it. All right. But this week's game, it's a little tricky setup, and it was really late in the, and it was like in the middle of the night when I thought of this. So bear with me for a second. This week's game is called James Brown or Record Scratch. I'm sure if you watch comedy, you know that a lot of these, uh, a lot of parodies, they parody movie trailers. And when they parody movie trailers, they do like, the president is a dog and like South Park. And they did the record scratch to reveal what the comedic twist of this garbage trailer is supposed to be. But then there's a Saturday night, Saturday night live sketch that essentially after the record scratch moment where they're like, the president is a dog that it, it does the record scratch. And then it goes into the James Brown stuff, which if you think about trailers, that's like when, you see what the like the ridiculousness of the movie. So Jack and Jill, it's like Adam Sandler is his is Jack. Adam Sandler is Jill, and then I feel good plays. James Brown goes, ah, I feel good, and then they show Jack and Jill playing together. That's a really bad setup, but it's essentially: is this something that's going to make you scream like James Brown in a movie trailer, or is it going to make you do the record scratch in a movie trailer? So, very convoluted game. <laughs> if you have better games, pitch them to us in the comments. <laughs> uh, so, I'll go first. 
Given the two big moves the Diamondbacks made this week, they also made a huge trade and netted themselves Shelby Miller. Um, are they the team to beat in the NL West now? Um, you know, I'm going to give that a record scratch. Yeah, I think they think they are, but they but Ender Inserte is a really good player who they gave up for Shelby Miller, and that might be a down if the trade was just that without the two incredible prospects that might already be a downgrade. Like at best, it's a lateral move. And Granky's great, but if they have Zach Granky, Shelby Miller, uh, AJ Pollock, and Paul Goldschmidt, is that really enough for a for a playoff team? I I don't think it is. Well, another thing to think about to consider in my mind is that the for the Diamondbacks, this seems like a philosophical change for them because Shelby Miller didn't win a lot of ball games last year. That is true. <laughs> and they still traded for him. <laughs> uh, okay. I would say I would say record scratch as well, only because I, I don't feel like it's that cl- I don't feel like it's that far from being true. Does that make sense? Like I feel like maybe not. I mean they're gonna probably be they're gonna be more competitive than the Rockies most likely. That's why baseball is so weird. We're not sure, but this seems like it puts them, I feel like the team as what they have already and what they've added um, is still even losing NCR day. They, they still Paul Goldschmidt, who's a top three player in the national league at all times. And, um, and Zach Greinke, as we just said earlier, is like top five pitcher easily. And, uh, and, that seems like what the Padres were trying to be last year. And it feels like they're in a much better position to do that. They have the offense and they have some pretty good pitching. And I think, you know, it'll come down to bullpen and strategy and injuries as it usually does. But uh, what do you got for me? Um, after last year's disaster of a season, the Padres are going. The Padres are going to actually rebuild in an effective way. <laughs> I'm going to say record scratch. <laughs> okay, because AJ Preller was very reckless in what he did. That was it. Jonah Carey, who wrote that Grantland piece, that was yeah. a scathing indictment in the <laughs> in the Canadian fashion. Like for a Canadian, that was like that was brutal. But to me, that was such a comprehensive. Now, it was such a comprehensive breakdown of why that what happened was ridiculous that to me, it's like that is virtually baseball malpractice. I can understand, on the other hand, it was basically a new guy coming in saying, this is not my team and I'm going to make it into my team. So if this leads to another offseason of something that show it like if it if we start to see a pattern emerge perhaps or if in this rebuild there is some concentrations on things that would seemingly indicate a, a trademark or a footprint then i can do you see, does that make sense then i can kind of understand then i can maybe accept that maybe otherwise it just seems like they're being reckless and and not quite being jeffrey loria but some version of that right <laughs> Uh, but I mean, I feel like on the one hand, I can also say like a guy coming in saying, this is not my team. I'm going to rebuild it. Plus I'm going to just give the team a heartbeat 
right? If nothing else, that's what all those moves did last year. It reminded people that the San Diego Padres are a Major League Baseball team that is still playing baseball games in the 21st century. Uh, right. It did do those that thing. Um, so there is that. But I, I, as a genuine rebuild, I just don't see how it's going to happen. They're not dealing from any strengths at this point. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to agree with you. Record scratch. They're just, they've put them, they were in a very good position, like kind of sneakily in a really good position after 2014. And they just pissed it all away, which as someone who finds the Padres only annoying and thinks the world would be missing nothing if they stopped existing tomorrow is pretty funny. Sure. But, <laughs> but it's hard to see them recovering from that within the next couple of years. And it's hard to see that not costing Preller his job. Yeah. Uh, but who knows it, all it takes is one deal sometimes. Right. Uh, so they still have Will Myers. They have some pitchers that are interesting, uh, that people might want. So you never know. Um, all right. Uh, I've got my next bit is the giants outfield. Oh, so the question is the giants outfield should remain, Pence, Pagan, Blanco, Parker, and Williamson so that the Giants don't embarrass themselves on the pitching side. Just to add in a little bit of a note, I don't know if you saw the Fangraph's projections for the Giants next year, but the wins above replacement for their entire pitching staff, as currently projected, is 14. So, <laughs> so the Giants outfield should remain Pence, Pagan, Blanco, Parker, and Williamson so that the Giants can focus on pitching and not embarrass themselves. Um, I would say record scratch that just because that's not, you know, that's not really a good enough outfield when Pagan gets hurt and it's when you're going to have to rely on either Parker or Williamson, which my opinion of Jared Parker being that he strikes out way too much and that major league pitchers will find a way to get him out consistently. Um, so you're going to have an outfield of, Pence, Blanco, and Williamson, and that's not good enough. Like, it, it might be. I like Mac Williamson. He's he's a good player. I think he could be a good major league player. But relying on him to produce and Blanco and Pence to both stay healthy is asking too much. I'm going to say James Brown. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have to have one. Yeah, and that's because I feel like the Giants would do the thing where they go into the season – where everyone's like, oh my God, put some pants on. That's disgusting. And they're walking around and they have it, and they're going to look, their roster is going to look terrible in that regard. But the pitching is going to be short up enough that they're going to, they're going to have saved themselves some space to make a deal later. If not spring training, then, or, you know, they're going to make something by the trade deadline, which is a, typically the Giants' MO. Sometimes they will go in with, with a, with a glaring weakness and try to patch it together and, see if they can make it work for a while. And then if it doesn't, they'll change gears and, and try something else. Uh, Cause the pitching, the rotation looks so rough and <laughs> I just feel like <laughs> you want to have, you want to have feel good about that first since right. you, you haven't been feeling good about that for an entire baseball season. <laughs> uh, do you have any for me or one more for me? All right. One more. Record scratch or I feel good. Kelby Tomlinson is a major league player. Uh, I feel good. 
I feel good. Okay. Uh, I, I feel think good. the utility aspect, not that he's going to be Ben Zobrist or anything like that, but I feel like he can slot in as, I, I mean, I'm not talking about major league longevity here. He's going to work. He's going right. to play for 10 years, but I certainly see him hanging around. If not, a, if nothing else, a 25th man on the roster. Um, he seems, I don't know. It just seems, he seems like one of those giants farmhands that looks a little bit more polished. I didn't, feel that he improved a lot but it seemed like he kind of slumped in there for at some point in time and then did seem to pick it up a little bit if he can keep doing that i think he'll hang around okay um i would say i feel good good. not based on any sort of baseball thing just because the giants are magic (laughs) at developing middle infielders and so that's just going to keep going. So whatever they ask him to do, he'll be at least competent at it, and he'll stick around. Can he play shortstop? Not well. Okay. So Duffy. <laughs> so the backup shortstop is essentially Duffy, right? Uh, Adrianza. Adrian. Right. The yeah. He sorry. Gets... Sorry. Sorry. The one that they. Who else could they get away with? I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So Kelby Tomlinson. I mean, yeah. It makes sense. Could happen. Uh, all right. So that's that concludes this week's podcast. We like to keep them a little bit shorter than us usually, but uh, there's a lot to talk about in this hot stove season. Um, so you can find us on Twitter. As always, the main McCovey Chronicles account, run by Grant Brisby, our our Lord and Savior, Grant Brisby, is at McCoveycron. I am at every sixth day. I am at Moonwalk McFly. And if you don't know the story of that, you should check out last week's podcast or two weeks ago's podcast. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, we are up on iTunes. We are on Blog Talk Radio. Have a good day. <laughs>